0: Welcome to Glory Stories with Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn was one of the top eye surgeons in America and has traveled to many countries in the world preaching the Word of God. She also opened up an eye surgery center in Beijing, China, where she did free eye surgery on those in need. Dr. Vaughn will be sharing many of her personal experiences from God. In addition, you will hear of others that have known God in an intimate way and seen His miracle-working power. As you hear about how God has worked in the lives of others, our hope is that you will be changed forever. Get ready for God to heal you, deliver you, and transform your life as you sit back and enjoy these glory
1: stories. Welcome to Glory Stories. I'm going to be sharing with you today about something I've entitled, it's really a revelation that God's given me. It's called The Plateau of Promise. I'll explain it to you. It all started about three years ago, and one of my friends gave me a little book for Christmas. I honestly don't read books except the Bible, but this book, the Lord really prompted me to read it. It was a book written by a shepherd, a literal shepherd, about sheep and about the life of a shepherd and sheep. And of course, we know that the 23rd Psalm was also written by David, who was a shepherd. And so he, he likened some things to his sheep, to David's Psalms, and, and then meanwhile the Lord expanded and expanded this whole concept. And so I'm gonna share some things about that. First of all, this man had to go out and he had to work very hard for quite a long time to get enough money to buy any sheep. And so finally he, he got enough money together, he bought some sheep, and he put them in a little corral area, and he was sitting on the fence looking at the sheep that he'd just purchased. Another man was sitting by his side, and he said, you know, you're gonna have to somehow uh, designate how those are gonna be your sheep. And so he put a special little notch on the ear of the sheep, and so if anybody ever found that sheep, they would know that that notch meant they belonged to him. They belonged to him because he had bought them with a price. Now, we are God's people. Christians, I'm talking about. We are God's people and the sheep of his pasture. That's the way the, the Bible explains it to us. So when we become the Lord's, we, we, we are owned by him because he paid a price and he bought us. He bought us with his blood that he shed in Calvary. He bought us because he the price he paid was his life. The price he paid was his the blood that drained out of his body, his very life blood drained out of his body to pay the price for us that we could be with him eternally. So we've been bought with the price which is obviously a much much higher price than any natural sheep. But this shepherd bought his sheep. He marked them so that they were his and we are marked that we belong to Jesus Christ. Well, he was so happy with them, and he he spent such time and effort and money and so forth, labor, making the grass grow nice for his sheep so he could have, you know, nice healthy sheep that had everything they needed, and maybe making a little shed for them in case the weather got inclement and they could have a little shelter for them. And when it was time to be watered, he would lead his sheep down toward the, the, the brook where he could water them with clean, cool water, but you know, on the way, sometimes down on the way to the, to the water, there would be like puddles, mud puddles in the road and other shepherds had led their sheep down there too. And so, you, you know, you can imagine these mud puddles could be full of not only mud, but they could be full of urine and, and excrement from other sheep and, and really contaminated, seriously contaminated water. So if those sheep got too anxious, and wouldn't wait on the Lord's provision, I say the Lord because he's our shepherd, if they wouldn't wait on the Lord's provision and started drinking out of those contaminated puddles, they could get all kinds of diseases and worms and, and create, actually they could kill the sheep because they drank out of the contaminated water. And I think a lot of Christians are like that. You know, they. They don't, they're getting, they get impatient to wait on the good part that God has for them, and they take some substitute for it, which could cause poison to their soul, poison to their body. But these, the sheep were then led on into the nice, cool, clear water where he was taking them, where the shepherd was taking them. And he, he told me something, or the book told me something about the nature of some of the sheep. There was one sheep in particular, it sticks in my memory because. It was the the best-looking sheep that he had in the whole bunch. It was a female sheep. And whenever she would have babies, she would always have two at a time instead of most of them would have one at a time. And it, and if you looked at her wool and you looked at her all of her facial features and all of those things about sheep, which I don't know about sheep, but there are sheep people that know all about sheep and what's an ideal sheep, she would be the most close the closest to an ideal sheep that he could imagine that's what this sheep was. So it was a prize sheep to him, but she had one problem, which was a very big problem. She would want to, to go somehow get around the gate, uh, not the gate, the fence, or under the fence, or somehow maneuver around where she could get from the shepherd's pasture into the neighbor's pasture. And it was amazing because the, the grass on the other side was really poor quality grass. In fact, the sheep on the other side were looking through the fence wishing that they could get into the green pasture that he had provided for his sheep. And yet this this perfect female sheep would always want to try to get into the other pasture where it was not good grass at all. It didn't make sense, but she just had something in her that she wanted to get. she wanted to go. She wanted to get out of wherever she was and go to another place. Does that sound like anybody that you know? Or maybe it sounds like you. Maybe God has a nice green pasture for you And yet, you know, you know the old saying, the grass looks greener on the other side. Even when the grass wasn't greener, she still wanted to get over there. And then not only would she get out, she started showing the other sheep how to follow her and get out from around the gate and not the gate, the, the fence and follow her. And so he would start missing more and more sheep and he'd have to go find them and retrieve them and bring them back in his pasture and try to repair the fence. And she kept doing this over and over and, and, and until a lot of his sheep, he was having to chase him down all the time. Finally he decided, I don't care how beautiful this sheep is, I don't care how many perfect baby sheep she has or lambs she has, he says, I'm going to have to get rid of her because she's causing such a problem to me. So I, I, you are, if you are the sheep of Jesus Christ, why don't you just stay in the green pasture he provides for you? Nothing's gonna be any better anywhere than what Jesus is providing for you. He's gonna care for you in every way possible. And so we don't want to be like that sheep that he finally had to just let her go because she kept running away and running away and running away. You know he tells us in the Bible He's willing to leave the 99 and go after the one lost sheep. Jesus tells us that. And he's happy to do that. But if he keeps doing it over and over and that sheep leads other sheep astray and he's losing many of his sheep, he's gonna have to do something about it. So the Lord showed me that that is home base. We're gonna call it home base for the sheep. And for Christians, it's the home base because they are saved, born again, they belong to Jesus Christ, and the, and they have his tag on them. They belong to him. That's their home base. So most Christians will live in a home base. They're, they go to a church, they're satisfied with the church, whatever denomination it is, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, whatever church it is that they like, and they get used to it, their friends are there, maybe they have Sunday school class there, and so they have, friends that they develop over the years and they get very comfortable there and they're satisfied there. That's, that's all that they know, that's all that they want, that's all that they seek and so you know the law of God is you seek and you find. So if you're satisfied then that's where you're gonna stay. But there are those that read the Word of God and they see in the Word of God that there's more to being a Christian than they're experiencing in the home base. And so they begin to seek after God and as they seek, what we just said, they always find. So the Lord Jesus would lead them, those that are seeking higher ground, let's say, he could lead them out of the home base and he would lead them up the side of the mountain and and the, the term he gave me was a base camp, lead them into a base camp, which is, I've seen pictures of Mount Everest and the climbers from Mount Everest and they go and they establish a base camp that's at the foothills of the highest mountain. So people that have sought God and wanted a higher place come into a, 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 a base camp where they find the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is a different level in God. The first gift that he gives you is a gift of salvation, and that's home base. The second gift that's available, it's available. Not everybody seeks or finds it, but it's available to every Christian that seeks it, is the baptism in the Holy Ghost, in which they receive the power of God to be a witness. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost, is to receive the power of God to be a witness. You remember those people in the book of Acts that Jesus told them to tarry there, until they had received power from on high, and so they were, they were waiting. We know that Jesus spoke to at least 500 or more people, and so there were a large number of people that knew they were supposed to be tarrying there, but only 120 of them actually did it. I can understand that, because they didn't know how long they were gonna have to wait. One of them would say, well, I have a business to tend to. I can't sit here any longer. A lady might say, I have a household to run, I can't stay here anymore, and so there would be an attrition rate and the numbers would get smaller and smaller day by day. But in the second chapter of Acts when the day of Pentecost came, there were 120 that had still been waiting, those that were seeking and they would they refused to leave until they got the promise from the Father, which was the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the baptism of power, and those 120 were totally changed. I might mention that Mary the mother of Jesus Christ was one of those hundred and twenty. She was baptized in the Holy Ghost and she was speaking in tongues just like the other hundred and twenty. So they were baptized with power. That's that's what I'm going to refer to as base camp. So there's home base where you're saved. There's base camp where you're not only saved but now you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, the shepherd that the man was talking about in his book explained that there was a high high plateau in the mountain, and in the spring, he would go up there, and he would take his son with him. He would go to that high plateau, or mesa, or tableland, whatever you want to call it, and he would make trips up there, and it was a rigorous climb up the valley there to get to it, rigorous climb, but he would do it because he had his sheep in mind. He would take, he would go up there, and he would pull up all the poisonous plants that the sheep might want to eat, get rid of them, he would trap all the dangerous animals that were up there that could devour the sheep to get rid of those. He would spend time taking rocks and sticks out of the out of the water wells that were up there and cleaning all that out so that they would have fresh water when they get up there. And he and his son would make several trips up the mountain to the plateau and back down again in the spring so that when summer came, they could, they could take the sheep up to this high plateau and spend the summer up there with them where the pastures were green and ideal and it was a perfect temperature and everything was really perfect for the sheep. So he spent a lot of effort doing that. So those that were in the base camp for the most part get satisfied being in the base camp. They look around them in their church, a lot of the people around them are also filled with the Holy Spirit they, they're speaking in tongues, they're rejoicing in the Lord, maybe they're raising their hands to worship, maybe they're dancing, they're doing things that they didn't do in the home base, but now they're in the base camp, they're with a different group of people, so they're doing different things and and, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you start seeking God and I'll tell you what, you're gonna find. You start reading His Word, you start praying, you start seeking Him, you start telling Him that you want a closer relationship with Him, you want higher realms in God than you know of, and if you do that, He will take you there. He will take you there. The reason He'll take you there, He wants to take you there. He wants witnesses, and the only way to have powerful witnesses in this world is by having the Holy Ghost inside of you because the Holy Ghost is the power. Without the Holy Ghost, you don't have the power. So God wants you there more than you want you there. In fact, he wants you there a lot more than you want you there because he needs people that will be bold enough by the power of the Holy Ghost to speak up and speak in favor of Jesus Christ and tell others the, the, the good news, it's all good news that we have, that Jesus Christ has died for your sins, that he's there, he's there to save your soul. And if you will accept him as your Lord and Savior, he will take you to heaven where you will get to spend all eternity in heaven. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And meanwhile, while you're down here on earth, he's your healer. Just like the shepherd that bought the real sheep, you know, the, the actual sheep, he would take care of them he would examine them and make sure they didn't have you know bugs on them that would hurt them he would put them in sheep dipping and be sure no no diseases would come on them if any of them got cut or injured in some way he would he would he would doctor their wounds and he would take such good care of them if if one of them got in the bramble bushes, sometimes they'd see a little bit of grass back there and they'd get in the bramble bushes trying to eat a big bite of grass and and they'd get caught in the brambles and they couldn't even get out. And he would put his his staff in there and, and, and pull them out and pull them to himself and get them in his lap and examine them to be sure that they didn't get cut in any serious way. And if they did, he would doctor it. And sometimes when a sheep would eat the wrong thing or eat too much, sometimes they would get a little top-heavy even, and they would, they would get turned over to where their feet were ha- were up in the air and their back was on the ground. And if a sheep gets turned over like that, he's not able to turn himself back over. And so if the shepherd doesn't keep a close watch on his sheep and count them and know how many sheep are there and where's this one and where's that one and make sure that they're all there and he sees one of them is missing he has to go right away and try to find that sheep because if that sheep stays upside down like that for very long it'll kill the sheep and and the buzzards and the animals will come and eat the sheep and he will have lost his sheep so it's an urgent matter for him to look for a sheep that's lost as quickly as he can and retrieve it as quickly as he can. So you see, the shepherd has lots of duties over these sheep and Jesus is our shepherd and he has these duties over us. So, he, so they, they clear the way so that in the summer they can take the sheep up to the plateau, which I'm calling the plateau of promise and I'll tell you why. Between the base camp and the plateau which is high in the mountain. The only way that you can get there is to follow the shepherd up what actually David calls it the valley of the shadow of death. We think of that when we read that we've always thought of that yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we think of that, the 23rd Psalm, the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But when the the sheep go up, physically go up that valley, up climbing into the higher mountains. They are exposed to all kinds of things that could cause a death to them, a physical death to them. Lots of times it'll rain, downpours of rain, and if that happens, there can, there can be flooding situations in this narrow valley. There can be mudslides. There can be rockslides. There can be predatory animals that are watching to see if a sheep is lagging behind or if there's a weak sheep or a young sheep and they're waiting to see if they can pounce on one of them and take them and, and devour them. Just like the enemy of our soul, Satan, he's always looking for the opportunity to, to get hold of you. The word says he's, he's, he's like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking all the time seeking whom he may devour like the predatory animals are seeking those sheep going up that valley of the shadow of death. But the shepherd, yea, see, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus has given us a way to defend ourselves against, uh, against the enemy. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the name of Jesus Christ. He's given us the blood of the lamb and he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing can any way harm you unless you allow him to. If a Christian does not know that they have power over over the devil and the demonic forces, if they don't know that the Word of God says my people perish for lack of knowledge That they don't know it. If they don't study their Word of God, if they don't have a pastor that's teaching them these things and preaching these things and they simply don't know it, they are totally vulnerable They're just as vulnerable as a non-Christian, because Jesus, he did everything he's ever gonna do about the devil when he died on the cross. Did you know that? He's done everything he's ever gonna do about the devil when he died on the cross. The Word of God tells us that before he ascended, he descended, Jesus I'm talking about, when he died. He descended, and he spoiled the principality and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in the cross so he defeated them and he gave us power and authority and dominion over all of the power of all of the enemy so if the if satan himself came to you you have power over him in the name of Jesus now when it when it says in the word that he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in the cross it's like this Imagine this. Here's a conqueror, a conquering army. They come in and they defeat the, they defeat another army and they take the soldiers from the other army and they strip the men from the waist up and they chain them all together and they make them walk in a row with chains on them, humiliated, being stripped down to the waist and they, they lead these prisoners, if you will, the defeated foe. They lead them through their town and they say, look, look at who we've defeated. These are all our defeated foe. These are our enemy that we've gotten dominion over. Now they're they're subservient to us. We have dominion over them. And they walk them through the town and they make a, a laughing stock out of the town, uh, out of the prisoners in the town. That's what it's talking about. Jesus did when he went to hell. He made a laughing stock out of Satan and all the imps of hell. So we, there's no question that they are defeated already if, if, if we assert our dominion over them. And if we don't, do, if we don't assert our dominion, you'll be toast. They can do what they want to with you. Okay, so here we go. Up the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd is leading them Every step of the way, the shepherd's looking after them and watching them. The goal for them is to get to this plateau of promise. That's the the goal. That's where they're headed. And in that plateau of promise, as I've already described to you, it's going to be lush greenery up there, perfect temperature up there. And you know what else is up there? Instead of the shepherd being in his house down at base camp, the shepherd's now living with the sheep. It's as close as the sheep are ever going to get to the shepherd. They're going to live together day and night. They're going to be—he's going to be right in their midst. He tells us, he says, "I'll never leave you. I'll never, I'll never forsake you. I'll always be with you." So, in that plateau of promise, the reason I'm calling it promise is because it's a high place in God that's promised to us. Jesus said, "The works that I do." shall ye do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. Why because I go to the Father? Because when he went to the Father, he knew he could send the Holy Spirit down to us. That's the power pack. But the works, he said, the works that I do shall ye do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. Look around you in the world. How many people do you know that are doing the works of Jesus Christ and greater works than these? How many people do you know? Not many, if any. That's why we as Christians need to be willing to go up that valley of the shadow of death, which means we are willing to be crucified to our own self-will where we will say, not my will, but thine be done. We're willing for that to happen. We're willing to be like Jesus. He was, uh, he was actually, when he was living, he... he His his personal self-will was crucified. It was subservient to the will of the Father every day of his life. He always said, you know, I only do the things that I see my Father doing. I only say the things that my Father teaches me to say. He says, my meat is to do the will of the Father and to complete his work, to finish his work. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. He said, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. The works that I do, it's the Father that's doing these works through me. I'm quoting you all kinds of things that Jesus said that show us it was the Father working by the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus Christ that was doing the works. The works that you that you see are not my works, they're the works of the Father, Jesus said. This is the works of the Father that we're working through the, through in, in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? If that's the way that he, that he was doing the works of God that has to be the same way that we get to do the works of God by laying down our self-will. How would you like to say this? I only do what Jesus shows me to do. I only say what Jesus tells me to say. My only desire in life is to please Jesus Christ. That's my highest desire in my life. How would you, be, how would you like to be like that? You would, you would say at every juncture, not my will, Lord, not what I want to do. It's only what you want to do, Lord Jesus. You're the, you're the Lord of my life. You're the master of my life, and I want nothing of myself. I only want to do what you say to do you've laid your life down, you'll be able to say with Paul, I am crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that lives but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that's the plateau of promise. That's where we want to be, crucified with Christ the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me. I've spoken to you in past glory stories about immersed in in Jesus. That's the life that I'm talking about. Being immersed in Jesus is the same thing as living on the plateau of promise. It's where you're nothing and Christ is everything and he can flow through you freely living, he's living his life through you, just like the Father was living his life through Jesus. So Jesus can live his life through you, and therefore the works that he's doing through you will be the same works that he did when he had a body on this earth. Actually, the way God showed it to me is that Jesus needs a body. Jesus needs your body. He needs you to be a willing crucified to yourself flesh and available to Him, that He can use you and do His works through your life. Make it so.
0: We hope that you enjoyed these stories of the glory of God. We believe that each story we tell will help build your faith and help to bring a miracle into your life. For more information about this program and Dr. Elizabeth Vaughn, visit her website at godsinstrument.com, her YouTube channel at Glory Stories Now, or write her at Elizabeth Vaughn Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box, 454 Argyle, Texas, 76226USA.